baseball fans. It's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley, and it's time for a chat about the Atlanta Braves that I think a lot of fans out there have been looking forward to, and that's the chat about the Braves making a big move in free agency, and in particular, bringing back a very familiar face, a man who played a huge role in the Braves' success in 2020, and that, of course, is Marcel Ozuna. Big news on Friday, Ozuna and the Braves agreeing to a four-year deal with a fifth-year option. It guarantees Marcel $65 million, could be worth up to $80 million, and it'll carry him through his age 34 season. Got a lot to get into on today's show, sizing that up, talking about what that move means for the Braves, how it's going to affect the lineup, perhaps the outfield alignment, of course. There's a lot to get into with that. And also, what else is on Alex Anthopoulos' winter shopping list? Because the Braves are not done. couple of holes, handful of moves that could be made before the team reports to spring training, and certainly before the club is ready for opening day. I'm going to welcome Gabe Burns of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution into the show in just a moment. But before I do that, I want to remind you, you can subscribe to From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave those ratings and reviews. If you like what you've heard, please tell a friend. You can also find clips from each From the Diamond show on my brand new YouTube channel. That is YouTube.com and then slash Grant McCauley is the username on that. Would certainly appreciate you hitting that subscribe button if you would be so kind. And, of course, on social media, you can connect with me on Twitter, at Grant McCauley. The show is at FromTheDiamond underscore. Gabe Burns is at GabeBurnsHAC. Over on Instagram, I'm also at Grant McCauley there. The show is at FromTheDiamond, and you can find everything, including the articles, the podcasts, the videos, all the good Braves content that I'm putting out there at FromTheDiamond.com. So let's jump into today's show. Gabe, it's been a hot minute since we've been able to talk some Braves baseball, but It looks like Atlanta was able to get a pretty big deal done knocking on the door to spring training. It sure was. I mean, wow. Uh, It's a tremendous deal for the Braves. It's a good deal for Ozuna. You know, keeps a good thing going, keeps this team, I would say, the NL East favorites and keeps them among probably the top two or three teams in the NL. And, I mean, it ended up working out. I guess I guess you could say it was worth the wait for Braves fans. Yeah, I would hope that folks would feel that way about this move. And it's one that I know, as, as we've discussed with fans, whether it's questions we get on Twitter, I know you've written you know, articles about it throughout the winter about what the Braves have left to do. But this just seemed like such a perfect fit between these two sides. For Ozuna, I know he wanted to go out and explore that market. It's understandable. He certainly earned the right to do that. For the Braves, I know they wanted to probably see what that market was going to look like as they decided how they were going to pursue Marcelo Zuna and perhaps look at other options. But at the end of the day, it just made too much sense at this point with neither side having filled their need or Ozuna having found a new home for this deal to come together for two sides, as you mentioned. Exactly. I mean, we, and on this podcast, I mean, we've been over several of the other options 
throughout the off season. And, you know, you Oh, you like this guy. You like this guy. We're talking about Chris Bryant. You know, we're talking about all these different guys, but it was always, if they don't resign Ozuna, right. It, it was always yeah. with the caveat that Ozuna was there should be their number one priority. And he should be their number one priority because, and Alex Anthopoulos mentioned this in his press conference today is they spent a season around him. And even though it wasn't 162 games, it was more than enough time for them to figure out, wow, this guy is a perfect fit for us culturally. Yeah. I mean, he's an awesome player. I mean, just he checks pretty much every box. And obviously the defense, that was part of the discussion. But and we might get into that more later. But, sure. you know, Alex just basically said he's comfortable. He's going to be the everyday left fielder as things stack up right now. Obviously, they wouldn't have given him this contract <laughs> if they didn't feel like he could handle it. So they ultimately do that. Eventually, he may end up the DH, but he was just too good of a fit all around for this team. Hearing how both sides talked about it today, it, it just feels like this was kind of inevitable yeah. with, with how much these sides wanted to get this thing done, despite all the uncertainty on the path there. Yeah, it really did. And it was a very unique press conference in a lot of ways because there was a little bit of play back and forth between Ozuna and Alex Anthopoulos of the good-natured variety, just about, well, hey, if we were going to get here and all it took was a day to get this deal done, why didn't we do it the day after the season? Well, we all know what goes into the baseball offseason, both as guys file for free agency, looking to their market, and of course, clubs try to figure out the budgetary things, which I think has to be pretty stressful coming off the 2020 season that was anything but certain when it came to the financial ramifications of dealing with what baseball and really all of us had to go through last year. But putting all of that aside, it was good to see that the two sides came together and that they realized the value in, as you put it, what they found in 2020 in Marcelo Zuna, the fit that they found there. And there may still be the opportunity to have the designated hitter in National League play at some point, either this year or in the future. I feel like it's been inevitable as well, to use that word again. But let me, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but just in general, because I know we've both followed this team very closely, and this 2020 into 2021 winter was a little bit similar to the 2019 into 2020 winter when it came to Josh Donaldson, who eventually signed a five-year contract with the Minnesota Twins if it's exercised all the way out with the team option at the end. The Braves end up getting Marcelo Zuna for less than Donaldson got in Minnesota, by about 12 or so million dollars at the very least. And also, Marcelo Zuna is five years younger than Josh Donaldson. So I've never thought this was an apples-to-apples apples comparison, but as I sat down and looked at which one of those two players do you like enough to put a contract in front of them that signs them for five years, I think you have to lean Ozuna, do you not? You do. And this is another example, and some people have been critical of Anthopolis' tenure just because, you know, there hasn't been that blockbuster deal. Yeah. And people were kind of sold he was that kind of GM when he came and everything. But if you really look at what he's done, you know, he's been rewarded for moving quickly, and he's also been rewarded for being patient, right? Yeah. So we've seen him come out. I mean, Donaldson was a case where he moved ahead of everybody. He's like, let's get this thing done. We saw that with Will Smith. And, you know, we saw it this offseason with the rotation additions. But with Ozuna – you know, they played it patient when Donaldson became a free agent, and that ended up not getting done, and Ozuna happened to be... Now, there's an element of luck to this, and sure. that's fine. There's an element fortune. of luck to everything in life. Yeah, and they were well-positioned that, you know, when Donaldson moved on and Ozuna was looking for a home, they were able to kind of fit him into the same role at $5 million cheaper, but yeah. they were able to fit him in, and then you don't really want to have to do that again. You don't want to have to keep just rotating a middle-of-the-order bat every year, and they found a guy who was just really a perfect fit, 
and once again, you know, Anthopolis was patient this winter, and it's frustrating for us, and, and it's frustrating for fans because you get tired of talking about the exact same thing. Absolutely, um, a lot the, of groundhog the, yeah, the spec- day. <laughs> exactly, the speculation wears on you, and so so there is a lot to that. There, a lot of rumors get thrown out there. Most of them are not true. Some of them might be true. It's, it's just a lot to take in. But ultimately, and you know, Ozuna said he had an offer from the Rays, mm-hmm. and I think it's fair to speculate the Rays' offer was probably not very large, <laughs> yeah. just knowing how that franchise exactly operates. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so you're looking at where a lot of these other teams who had been mentioned throughout the winter, you know, George Springer, these guys landed elsewhere, and Ozuna's market kind of dried up, and his options – of course, he says Atlanta was his top option. The Braves say he was their top option. I believe them. But it certainly played into the Braves' favor that they waited this thing out. His options kind of dwindled. And they ended up getting him on a contract that, I mean, it was a lot cheaper than I think most of us thought it was going to be at the beginning of this thing. Yeah, I don't think there's two ways about that. I mean, the breakdown year by year, the $12 million salary he's going to be making in 2021, I think that's helpful just based on the club's payroll you can expect it to be lower than it was on opening day or or projected to be on opening day a year ago just based on everything that's happened we knew that most of the 30 clubs were going to be dealing with some of the fallout of that now there are exceptions to that there are clubs that can go out there and and pull a deal like the Dodgers did this week which we can get to a little bit later but that aside the Braves I feel like they identified the target that they wanted and they did have to play kind of a long game with this and no it's not the most fun I mean I get asked about it quite a bit on Twitter. Like, when's Alex Antopoulos going to do something? How can he sit up there and do nothing? And at no point have I ever thought that the Braves front office is just doing nothing. But waiting is not fun for anybody. And I think we all got a crash course in that over the last couple of years. But it was worth the wait for the Braves to get the man that they needed to solidify the middle of their lineup. So, uh, Gabe, as we watched Marcelo Zuna in 2020, it's fair to say that that 60-game sample, which saw him flirt with a triple crown, while really providing a threat in the lineup behind Freddie Freeman, the likes of which we have never seen throughout Freddie's career, I don't think that you can overstate the value of that, but I also think that you have to temper your expectations a bit as to what Ozuna is going to do over the course of 162 games. But as I did the math, looked at the numbers, the 162-game averages for Ozuna, even if he's an average of what his career has been year in and year out, that's still going to be a great contract to say nothing of if he has another career year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the biggest thing when you look at the contract is the contract is not paying somebody if he's producing at the level he produced last year. And I I think it is fair to say that realistically, there will be a little bit of a drop off Mm -hmm. there. Uh, Now, how much we'll see, you know, 162 game sample, but just given what you know, he can provide the comfort level you have with the player. Now that you know him, how he fits in, you look at the the price you're getting him at, I mean, it's hard to – I don't want to say it's impossible that you they look back on this contract and they're like, you know, what happened? This is a bust. I would deem it very, very unlikely, yeah. right? Maybe injury happens or something, but if he stays healthy, you, I think that he's going to produce well enough to certainly be worth the contract he received. And there's a pretty good chance that he just exceeds uh, what he's gotten. So – I think for all of those factors, I, I certainly think they should be really happy with how this unfolded. Yeah, so I just pulled up those numbers looking at this. The average season for Marcelo Zuna, 531 plate appearances, of course, that's going to include last year's shortened season. So I went back to 2017, which was his big career year in Miami, then his couple of years with the Cardinals, 
and then his first year with the Braves. But his average year is a 287 average, 355 on base, 504 slugging, 27 homers, 89 runs knocked in. So an 860 OPS. Yeah, defensively, we can kind of pick apart what Marcelo Zuna may not be the best at, and that, of course, is kind of the the tag that he has on him defensively. But the offensive value that you're looking at with a hitter like this, I just don't think, barring a trade, that you were going to get anything close to this off the free agent market. And to circle back to something important I think you said, I believe the Braves recognized that there was some good fortune in their Josh Donaldson signing and their Marcelo Zuna signing. But you don't want to keep going out there every winter hoping that you buy the right lottery ticket and cash in on that signing every year when you're trying to compete for not just a National League East division crown. We've seen the Braves have playoff success now. I think they've gotten a taste of that, and this guy was a big part of it. So this deal started to make more and more sense even as time went on. It just felt like this is the move to make. Yeah, you can kind of roll the dice and get lucky with a guy like Tyler Matzek or, you know, Charlie Culberson a couple years ago. And you have, I think every team that wins a title has guys like that who kind of just emerge and outperform expectations. And every good team needs people like that. But that's an important spot, obviously, to gamble on again. And I don't know if Ozuna had signed with Tampa or someone else. I don't know what the plan B would have been. Yeah. Because we kept saying, everyone kept saying, like, oh, there goes Michael Brantley, there goes this guy, there goes that guy, and it's like all of these options are, are going away. So, kind of similarly to how I mentioned that Ozuna's options were dwindling, you know, at least publicly from what we know about guys who could be available and whatnot, the Braves' options were dwindling, and none of those guys that you could even really speculate would really come close to Ozuna's even averages that you just read out. So. Yeah. I mean, it's huge for this team. Obviously, the Freddie Freeman extension, that's going to be, you know, whenever that comes, you, you think that is coming at some point. You'll have Ronald, you'll have Ozzy, you'll have Freddie, and you'll have Ozuna mm-hmm. signed long-term in your lineup. And that's huge. There's not going to be any gambling or betting. You, you have these core, all-star, incredible talents yeah. in your lineup that's, that's going to keep you, as long as those guys are healthy, you are going to be a competitive team for the duration of their contracts. So, so the Braves have really, I mean, they've built a team that even when a lot goes wrong, and heck, we saw a lot go wrong last year, 100%. there's a pretty high floor with this group. Yeah, they do. And I thought it was interesting to hear Alex Anthopoulos as he described Marcelo Zuna and how he'd gotten to know Marcel and all of the things. And I know some of this is, it, maybe it's lip service, maybe it's not. I mean, I, I like to think that for the most part, we're getting a, a pretty straight view of of how the Braves felt. Obviously, good about this player and good about this fit to give him a long term contract. But Alex really didn't mess around and saying, "Look, we view Marcel as a core player now. Uh, he's a core player. That's why we wanted to give him a long term contract and put him around the guys you mentioned. You've got Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna Jr. signed to those extensions. You're, I'm sure, working on one for Freddie Freeman. And I know they even had some fun with each other." on the call with the media about maybe I'll just put Marcel in charge of Freddie Freeman's extension and, and let him get that thing knocked out since he's, you know, eager to make a deal and whatnot. But you know, jokes aside, I think it's going to be, they're going to continue to work on it. And hopefully there's a time somewhere in the next, I don't know, month, two months, six months, whatever it is that the Braves have gone ahead and reached that extension with Freddie Freeman. You don't have to think about his impending free agency and he can get back to the business of, maybe looking at other pieces of your team that you want to extend with the Max Freeds and Mike Sorokas and Dansby Swanson, guys like that. Uh, This is a club that the Braves, even with this big deal to get this bat that they needed in Ozuna, 
they did not in any way, shape, or form handicap themselves from being able to focus on those other things. And as you mentioned, if he just performs, this is not an albatross kind of contract that the Braves would feel backed into a corner financially under the burden of having made this deal. So I think when you're looking at the different things that go into the club's favor, this was money well spent and not money that could come back to haunt them. That's a huge aspect of it. So, you know, you want to win the World Series every year, duh. But <laughs> the Braves, you want to have sustainable success. And we, we talk about this so much. Anthopolis has hammered this home. The Dodgers have sustainable success, and they also have just a ludicrous payroll. The that Braves is. are not going to have that. Yeah, but the Braves are also not in a position where they're like Cleveland, Tampa, or Oakland, and they have a good team, and then they're having to move off of guys. So the Braves are in kind of that middle ground where they have to figure out how they can sustain this thing. And really, if you look at assuming that this Freeman extension gets done, I don't see how anyone could have done a better job at keeping this thing kind of, you know, where it is. So you have his number locked in now. His number is below what I thought it was going to be and what most people probably thought it was going to be. Well, once you get Freddie in there, I mean, you're going to have – you know, you have the two pitchers you just signed who are expiring after the season because they're only on one-year deals. Travis Darno is going to be a free agent. Is that a guy that you're going to wind up wanting to keep, or are you going to move forward with a young catcher? There's different stuff to go. There's going to be more money off the books, and this team has not lost its flexibility. Like, everyone makes all the jokes about financial flexibility. It's very much still there despite this Ozuna deal, which is a testament to – just how to manage a roster. They've done a good job with it, and they certainly have kept the door open. They still have plenty of assets to go out and make a trade or two for a guy when, when they really want to, you know, seeing where they're at with their lineup and everything. So I would say it's definitely in good shape for the future. Yeah, and just to go back to the Donaldson deal one more time to you get in our time machine from about this time a year ago, you know, four years, $92 million guaranteed there. He's five years older than Marcelo Zuna. But as you just mentioned, I mean, when I saw these numbers, I thought, wow. I, I mean, this is certainly worth the wait. We've already covered that part of it. But just looking at it year over year for Marcelo Zuna, $12 million, 16, 18, 18, and then the $1 million buyout of another $16 million season in 2025 when he'll be in his age 34 season. So, they really were able to target a guy in a, in a perfect part of his prime to give out this deal and also manage to get this deal done for just as long as the guy that they had to say goodbye to last year and get it done for less. So it, it's definitely money well spent. And they had to be creative, I think, to go back to your point about not being the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Red Sox when they're in their big cycle of spending. The, the Braves have typically not gone out and given out that huge free agent contract and I know that Alex Anthopoulos still hasn't pulled off that big blockbuster trade that myself included. I felt like this has to come at some point, doesn't it? Because they've got all these prospects and uh, when are they going to cash in some of those chips and make a move to the big league club? But he's very quietly been able to make the moves and lock in a very sustainable core so that even when some of the names you mentioned go into free agency at the end of this season, the Braves should be in place to pick up those pieces and find new ones perhaps if they need to. I mean, they've done a nice job overall of dealing inside the parameters to which I'm sure it's not the most fun for fans to hear about, but that is the way that Alex is having to operate based on how ownership wants to spend, how much ownership wants to spend, and when they want to spend it. Yeah, they're in a great position. I mean, they've got, when it, it, again, that big move, if the time comes that he does finally, you know, if he's right on the verge of making it, or whatever, they're still in good shape for that. And I saw people 
tweeting about Drew Waters and what I, that's not really relevant at this time. You know what I mean? Because you're looking at a scenario that when Waters is coming up, is the DH here where Ozuna's right. DHing? Is does Waters become a trade piece? Like that's just not. Drew Waters does not factor into anything in the immediate future. I mean, for as good as he might end up being. Sure. So the Braves, certainly, they have expendable prospects. They do have, now that you've got Ozuna and you've got him at that rate, you do have more money coming off the books. So could you make a deal and bring in a guy who is on a little bit of a larger deal? I mean, I guess you could. We'll see what how payroll and everything shakes out. But they're really in the best position. They have a World Series caliber roster. They still have another couple moves to make, but pretty yeah. much everybody does. They have a team that projecting forward, if you project forward five years, you would think that this team is going to be in the mix for a title each of those years, barring injury. And they have enough flexibility. They're not stuck with any kind of – it's not like the Giants or Phillies, you know, when they were at, at the end of their runs and you're stuck with a lot of dead money. So um, unless you have a super team like what L.A. has at this point, Unless you have a super team, this is really the best position that you can be in. Yeah, I think that it is. Not only get lost in just the payroll numbers and the talk about that, because I know that could be its own show in and of itself, but just in the ability to sign this player at this rate and also thinking about what other moves there are to make out there, we're going to continue to hear some of these trade rumors. I know that the uh, a lot of them are circulating out there. I know there's a lot of interest from in the fan base every time you hear the name Jose Ramirez come up, so I know that's a popular name. I'm would it be a great fit? Sure, it would be. Do the Braves have the prospect capital to get a deal like that done, whether it's for him or somebody else? Absolutely, they do. Uh, but also on the flip side of that coin, if you had gone into this year and you brought up the example of Drew Waters, who is a guy that I think is close, not quite knocking on the door yet. I think he'd benefit from a full season of AAA ball or most of a season of AAA ball, especially after having to essentially sit out last year. To project Drew Waters into your 2021 outfield uh, would have been ambitious at best and probably foolhardy in the eyes of most fans who were expecting there to be some kind of move made by this club. So Ozuna makes sense. If the DH comes back, it could make even more sense. And as you mentioned, maybe then that opens the door for a guy like Drew Waters to eventually slide into a spot in that outfield. But we still have to determine exactly how much playing time Christian Pache is going to get. I think he should be the starting center fielder, but they're going to go to spring training, as I think you should with most young players, and just put them through the paces and make them earn it a little bit. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, do you? No, not at all. I mean, my expectation is that he will be in center, but certainly you want to make him earn it. And if he could struggle, someone could get hurt. I mean, you still have Ender, and I know nobody wants to hear that. Sure. But if something happens with Pasha and he gets hurt, then you do have – you also – you know, Anthopoulos mentioned today that, you know, Acuna could shift into center. Perhaps exactly. they could add another outfielder. He just kind of threw that in there just because you do keep your options open. So, yeah, I mean – I don't know about a, a Jose Ramirez now, but th this team is well-equipped that if a guy like that does come available down the line, you know, they have the pieces and the flexibility to maybe try to make something happen there. Maybe that's a trade deadline move, too. I don't think that the Indians have really put out the fire sale sign, even though they dealt Lindor. And I understand that they're, yeah. they're different players, different amounts of control for the two of them. You only had one year of Lindor left, but uh, they still got Shane Bieber. They could still be... a least a competitive team in the central or certainly not the favorites there but i don't think cleveland was quite ready to just sell everything off and tear the whole thing down just yet so also something to keep in mind when it comes to that but with the prospect capital around the trade deadline maybe a move like that starts to make a little bit more sense as we approach spring training though you mentioned gabe that alex anthopoulos mentioned other things that he might be interested in doing and i'm of the opinion that he doesn't really say these things unless he has something 
maybe in the back of his mind. Everything seems to have a purpose when he throws it out there. I think they could use another outfielder. I think a guy like Adam Duvall would make a ton of sense. And as I've tweeted quite a few times, if they're getting the band back together, he was a pretty nice piece to have there. Fourth outfielder with some power, a pretty good defender as well. That would seem to be the kind of move that could help the Braves start to round out the bench that hasn't gotten a lot of attention this winter. Yeah, quite frankly, I think the best two moves they could make would be keeping the band together by re-signing Duvall and Melanson. I agree. I, I mean, I think that'd be an A-plus offseason. I don't think realistically, if they could bring those two guys back, that, that there's really anything else they could have done to make this better than they did. So Duvall, you know, I, I'm not really sure what his market is right now, but you would have to think that he would have interest in coming back and he would be a natural fit. And then if you do end up, you know, Right before opening day, there's a deal struck, and there's a there winds up to be a you know a universal DH. Then you're in really good shape, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So I do think you know could they go into the season with the bullpen they have? They could. I still I would like to see them add one more guy at, at least, and certainly they could use another bench bat and Adam Duvall. Uh, he's the obvious clear uh, standout above the pack fit. As a look at the Braves depth chart as they prepare for spring training, which is less than two weeks away now there are the fits that you mentioned with players that we're familiar with that I think would just put this club right back into the arena in which it was last year, which was one win away from getting to the World Series. Adam Duvall, obviously, is a guy that I said makes some sense for you. And as you brought up, Mark Melanson's still out there. We've seen a lot of relievers start to come off the board, but Melanson, very capable closer for the Braves a year ago. Also Shane Green. I don't know what these deals are going to look like, but I'm sure these guys want to pitch this year and there were a lot of relievers out there, so it's kind of been a, I wouldn't say a tough market for relievers, but it's certainly been a buyer's market. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, once again, this could be a situation where patience pays off, right? I mean, it could, they could wind up re-signing one of these guys next month, honestly. Uh, we don't know how long that these guys are going to sit out there, but Alex kind of mentioned the bullpen. He, he's confident in the group. I think they can get by with what they have, but when you're in the territory that they are and you're competing for a World Series, I just – Neither of those guys you would think is going to break the bank. And you would think Melanson would like to come back. If you could get him on a one- or two-year deal, I, I think that would be a really good really good move for this team. Yeah, I think so, too. So in the bullpen right now, as far as their standout relievers, you got A.J. Minter, Tyler Matzak, uh, Will Smith, and Chris Martin, I would say, are the ones who are with the most experience and would be leaned upon the most heavily. But something that three out of those four guys have in common is they're all left-handed. So I think a Mark Melanson and or a Shane Green would be just the kind of arm that you'd want to put out there to complement some of the other weapons that you've already got that you're going to be using in that bullpen. It's a little bit lefty heavy in those high leverage kind of situations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, that, that's why you kind of want to add to that mix, right? Yeah. All right. So the bullpen, we've talked a little bit about maybe needing another piece. One thing that doesn't need another piece, at least I don't think at this point would be what's been going on with the starting rotation. You've already made the early moves, Charlie Morton, the bigger name, Drew Smiley. Of course, the Braves are, taking a calculated risk, I think, and signing him on a one-year deal, believing in the upside he has. Also, the return of Mike Soroka to join with Max Fried and Ian Anderson. Uh, Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson, I guess, would also be in that mix if you want to look at it. The Braves have a lot of capable options in the starting rotation, and after the year they had in 2020, I would imagine they've got to be pretty happy to have some of these names and to have a healthy Mike Soroka back on top of the newcomers. That puts the Braves, I think, right where they want to be with the rotation after what they went through last year. Yeah, I mean, if someone gets hurt, you have depth, you have guys. I think it's a group that has a lot of upside. 
I don't think the floor is too low. Um, you worry about injuries with Smiley uh, just because of his history at Morton's age. I mean, there are always going to be concerns. You know, Mike Soroka, will he be ready opening day? I don't think that's a big deal. If he's not, if you need to give him more time, it's nothing to worry about. It'll, I'll really be curious to see how, you know, how Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson wind up fitting in. And it feels like we talk about this every single season because we do, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I am curious to see how those guys wind up fitting in and, you know, how they end up, how they perform with the limited amount of innings that they will probably receive. I mean, injuries are inevitable. If they are going to be doing another 162-game season, those guys will be important at parts. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be really important to them because, again, those two guys they just signed are going they're just on one-year deals so maybe if Kyle continues to build off the end of his season that Dodgers start notwithstanding then maybe you feel comfortable finally permanently sliding him into the rotation so again it's just an example of what we're talking about when we say that this team is in a really good position because you really like the starting five there's going to be questions with every single rotation in the majors uh, there's going to be injuries in every single rotation in the majors, and this team is well-positioned to handle those situations. They are. So that's a look at what the Braves have done. Of course, the signing of Marcelo Zuna, a little bit about what they could still be shopping for, and, of course, just a reminder, a little refresher on what the Braves' rotation looks like after such a tough year for that group in 2020. It looks like they've got a, a good starting five with some depth behind it coming to camp here in the next, what, week and a half or so. Gabe, before we get out of here, I wanted to ask you about a non-Braves move that, of course, made big headlines this week. And that's Trevor Bauer finally finding a new home for himself. It's one he should be very familiar with as he's going back to California. He's going to be pitching for the Los Angeles Dodgers on one of the most lucrative contracts in terms of average annual value that I think we're going to see uh, for a pitcher especially. He just set the bar as far as that's concerned. What did you think of the Bauer signing? Were you surprised that it was the Dodgers? And were you surprised by the terms of the money he's going to be making, the opt-outs, and all of the things that go with his unique contract? Well, I'm not surprised it's unique. I'm not surprised that there's a crazy average annual value to it because we kind of had a feeling his contract was going to be weird. Yeah. I was hoping he would land with the Mets just for entertainment purposes. I thought, you know, him being in the NL East storyline, him and DeGrom, like the Mets coming after the Braves with this, you know, bringing in a few of those former Indians guys. I thought that was going to be interesting. Not surprised he wound up favoring the Dodgers. I mean, it's a big move for them. They didn't need him. No, uh, you know, they, they didn't need him. Uh, Let me throw this out there, too. This is the example I used to explain to somebody that asked me, like, why are the Dodgers out there signing Trevor Bauer other than the fact they're the Dodgers and they can afford to do it? It really was luxury spending for them. It was having a whole bunch of nice sports cars in their garage already and deciding, you know what? I want a Ferrari to drive once a week as well. And then they just went out there and bought it because they can. Clearly, they're not worried about the luxury tax threshold or any of the things that come with that. They figured out a way to get better. And they figured out a way to make a deal that gets that job done. And to your point, I don't think we're surprised to see that it was going to be a unique deal with some different terms than we were used to having seen. But this money is kind of mind-boggling in a lot of ways. He's going to get $102 million over three years if he's there the whole time. He can opt out after the first year or the second year. So $40 million, then $45 million for years one and two. Year three is $17 million, but I feel like that's almost a little bit of an insurance policy for Bauer in case he gets hurt in year number two. It was a true big market flex, Uh, not just big market flex, but Dodgers flex, because, you know, when the Yankees gave Cole all that money, they desperately needed him. Yeah. The Phillies, I mean, that franchise lacked juice. They needed Bryce Harper. At least that's how they viewed it. 
And the Dodgers, I mean, you're the defending champs, and you're just you're watching the Padres make all these moves to come after you. You know, the Braves took you to the brink. Uh, uh, so you're just kind of like, eh, whatever. We'll just go out. We'll, <laughs> we'll just go ahead and add the Cy Young winner, and yeah. there you have it, because we can. And I know people are, have argued, well, they could have broken that money up and spent it better. They already have depth. Mm-hmm. I mean, they already have kind of everything you need. I mean, you assume they're going to re-sign Justin Turner. They weren't, they're not all of a sudden going to cheap out now. No. So, I mean, they already had enough that they were, this would not be a good signing for a lot of teams. A lot of teams you'd be going, Oh my, how could they do this with the Dodgers? It, it just doesn't matter. So they're definitely, I mean, they're the measuring stick in the NL and they're the team that the Braves and Padres are chasing, but you know, just because you spend the most money and, you know, you have even the best team on paper doesn't mean you win every year. And it's really hard to repeat. So yeah. there's going to be other teams in the NL, and I think namely the Braves and Padres that will have a chance at this thing. Yeah, I think so, too. The NL Central is really in a down cycle right now. It's not to say that some team couldn't surprise you and be better than they're supposed to be. And clearly the Cardinals felt like they could take a step forward in that division, go out and get a Nolan Arenado as well. But I mean, the Bauer signing is a, is a pretty big one. It doesn't really shift anything in terms of where the Dodgers were already in your quote-unquote power rankings, which I don't love power rankings in and of themselves when you haven't played any games yet, and a lot of things can happen once they get out on the field. But looking over Trevor Bauer's numbers, I mean, his 2018 was a great season. But then last year when he went to Cincinnati, you started to kind of worry about, well, maybe that was the high-water mark for Trevor Bauer. Then he turned around and had – just an incredible run in a shortened season, albeit, to win the Cy Young Award in 2020. So I'm guessing the Dodgers are pretty comfortable with feeling like they know who they got here and knowing that they've got the infrastructure in place around him to help him maximize you know, from a coaching perspective, the teammate perspective, the fit that he is on that team and, and that rotation, that they're very happy with making this luxury purchase, if you will. Yeah, sure. I, I would be surprised if he didn't keep building off of uh, what he showed last season, and that team is going to have three Cy Young winners and Walker Bueller in its <laughs> rotation. And you're talking about like not having space for Dustin May that's and some crazy. of these guys. And yeah, I mean it, it's truly an embarrassment of riches. Uh, that's a team that is just perfectly positioned if a guy goes down. I mean, it's look they were going to win the NL West with or without Bauer. But when you look forward, if you're a Braves reporter, if you're a Braves fan, when you're looking forward and you're thinking about a playoff series. Kershaw, Bueller, now Price, and Bauer is going to be even tougher than what you saw last year. So they made this move. It makes them a better postseason team. They were already the best team in the NL. So it it builds a little distance between the teams chasing them. But, uh, I mean, again, you you never know how this stuff can play out. You never know how injuries are going to happen. But no doubt the Dodgers are the favorites, again, going into this thing. Yeah, I almost feel like if you're looking at David Price as potentially your fifth starter, you're probably in a pretty good place there. So, you know, the Dodgers have struck again. They've done it again. They're probably not done spending to Gabe's point. They still have a little bit of a a third base vacancy there that they could bring Justin Turner back and plug that right back in. And as we said earlier about the Braves, they can get their band back together as well. But speaking of bands, Gabe, I'm glad we were able to get ourselves back together here on the podcast, talk a little bit about some Braves news. It had been quite a while for us, quite a while for the Braves as well. But I think you have to be feeling a little bit better out there as a Braves fan now that you know that Freddie Freeman's wingman is back in the heart of the order. Yeah, I mean, it's setting up for another uh, fun season to watch again. I'm, I'm glad we were able to do this, and hopefully, you know, baseball's around the corner. Hopefully everything starts on time, and, and hopefully later in the season, maybe there's a semblance of normalcy, and, 
you know, people are able to kind of consume games again in person, and we're just getting, starting to move back toward a normal life again. Yep, looking forward to that, Gabe. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Sure then. Well, that'll wrap us up for this episode of From the Diamond. As always, make sure you're following Gabe Burns on Twitter at GabeBurnsHAC. You can find me on Twitter at Grant McCauley. The show is at From the Diamond underscore. Of course, you can find every episode of From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and FromTheDiamond.com. And if you'd like to check out some of the special content from each week's show, you can also do that on YouTube now, YouTube.com slash Grant McCauley. Hit that subscribe button. All your support, shares, ratings, reviews, all that is very much appreciated. And with that said, this episode is in the books, but spring training grows closer by the day, and we'll be breaking down the Braves roster as they get set to head down to Florida and get the 2021 season underway. But until then, I'm Grant McCauley, and we will catch you next time. So long, everyone.